You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. Sam Jackson is sounding like uh, your Billy D. Williams. <laughs> yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. <laughs> Do the big Kahuna burger. There's Lando. <laughs> That's a tasty burger. You mind if I have, what does he say? A drink of your tasty beverage to yeah, wash, to this, wash down? this down? The path of the righteous man is set the on all sides. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides <laughs> there you go. by the inequities. <laughs> uh, Billy D. Williams can do no wrong, man. Yeah? Yeah, do you think you think he's going to pop up in the new? I was uh, just going to say, uh, as long as they're bringing OT folks back into yeah. these sequels, there's no reason we can't see him. You see the the, the rumor about Yoda that there might be Yoda in what? episodes eight and or Yoda's nine. Yoda's dead. Uh, you, you ever heard of a Force ghost, Joe? Huh? <laughs> Obi Wan came back. Yoda came back as a ghost at the, the end of Return they, of the Jedi. That was it. Yubnub at the very end. <laughs> it's, it's still in there. <laughs> and then they, I, He's which, standing there next to Hayden Christensen. I've got to say, I prefer Yubnub yep. over the orchestral I, thing. I kind of do too. I like it, it. It just doesn't fit. I understand it's cheesy. I understand a lot of people. Well, that whole movie feels like it was geared towards kids. If you listen to, I uh, guess so. some of the adults at the time. Sure. I, I get it. Uh, I have a special little place in my heart for that little Ewok song. And I'm kind of yeah. sad they took it out. I get it. I get. You know, you had to expand the scope of it, mm-hmm. especially when you were creating three more movies that kind of expanded the universe a little bit more. Right. And it's like, okay, look, the rebellion. But the thing is, that was the victory of the rebellion right there. Yeah, it like, was what we were seeing on Endor. Exactly. Word got around pretty goddamn quick. They're like, hey, we destroyed the Death Star. Everybody celebrate. Like, yeah. You know, what, what I like about the expanded universe books is that Oh, there were still a shitload of Imperials, mm. like, keeping shit in check. It wasn't just, like, now that the Death Star's right. gone and the Emperor's gone, it's done. It wasn't like World War II with yeah. uh, a rebel. That's right. Actually, somebody did a, uh, a a recreation of that famous photo with the sailor kind of dipping the... Uh... With Han and Leia. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah that no, cool? it's great. I like it's that. awesome. Standing in, like, the the hangar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, hangar. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, wow, so so let's talk politics. Let's, oh gosh. I'm no, no, I'm kidding. Do we have to? No, no. This is the Editing Bay on the Next Wave Radio Network. My name's Joe. My name's Joel. This is where we come to talk about movies. Sometimes they're good movies, sometimes they're bad movies. No matter what the case, we will watch a movie every week and then come back here and talk about it with each other, tear it apart a little bit, mm. maybe celebrate what it did right. Oh. No matter what the case, uh, you know, well, I don't know what the fuck. I think I just went backwards in my thing. But whatever. <laughs> uh, we talk about movies here. That's it. Uh, if you want to join in on the conversation, <laughs> join in the, I'm like, this is the early onset, like fucking Alzheimer's and shit. I'm like, well, where the fuck am I? It's, it's, uh, it, it, what the fuck was the podcast that we did for video games? Oh, uh, it's the, the, the Gladiators. Gladiators. Uh, wow. I am fucking losing my mind. No, so we're going to talk about movies. If you want to join in the conversation, you go to Facebook and put the editing bay in the search bar. That's going to bring up that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes. You go there, click on that, and you could join in the conversation. Tell us what you want us to talk about in the future. Any kind of movie that you're like, man, they, they need to talk about this movie that we get so many good recommendations. Yeah. And then we've got a list of our own of things that we want to watch. Uh, and then sometimes it's just like, what do we own? <laughs> what what <laughs> do I have on already? Netflix What's streaming this week? on Netflix and we could take care of that? Uh, but we do love hearing from you, uh, and we love your suggestions, so keep them coming. My list currently is at 145 movies, by the Holy way, so please do not be offended if you suggest yeah. something and it does not get chosen. Yeah. We have 145 to go through. We got, we got so many, and they keep making more. 
Yeah. When are they ever going to stop, Joe? I don't know, man. I think this might be the year. I think this, this is the year is that they they're going to finish making movies. But, but Joel, I mean, there's got to be stuff that they could bring back. They, <laughs> is they this could, your attempt at a segue? They, yes. <laughs> uh, no, right. like, so go for it. Let's see how it works. No, we're doing something a little bit different this time. Uh, we don't do this often, uh, but we're talking about a first-run film. Yeah. Uh, When's the last time we did this? Shit. Not too long remember. ago, I feel. I don't think it was that long ago, but mm. I think it's probably a Star Wars movie. It has to have been a Star You're Wars movie. probably right. Yeah. Uh, like Rogue One. <laughs> Maybe it was Rogue One. I don't think we gave Rogue One its own episode. We didn't. I think we did a little Rogue One talk in the middle of an yeah. episode. You'd think it was. I don't think I don't think we need to revisit that one. I got to tell you, man, yeah. the further I get from Rogue One, even the more and more I'm just kind of like, mm. I, just, I have no desire to go back and revisit it so yeah. much. I'll probably rent it when it comes out. Uh, is it already out? I think that's coming no, out soon, No, it's right? coming out soon. Force Awakens, though, I, I can fucking sit through that movie I saw that film five times in theaters, and every yeah. time we were, like, pumped for it. And oh, yeah. Didn't, and by the end of it, didn't want it to end. And yeah. and then on on cable and TV, it's I've so seen good. it. It's um, still so good. About a dozen times or so. Mm-hmm. Although I've probably seen the first half of it. Twice as many times as I've seen the second half. Is okay, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Is The Force Awakens kind of like Fellowship of the Ring? Yes. To you. Absolutely. Where like the first half you're like, Oh man, I'm having so much fun yeah. with this. I tell you when I start bowing out is right about the time that uh, General Huxley is giving his impassioned speech to all the troops and they're Before about to they blow destroy up the, the Republic. Kind of gets down. Yeah. yeah. It's like a down it's like, Well, here's the part where I go to the restroom, but I'm just gonna leave it playing. I don't need to pause. I know what happens. But you're totally missing the, that's not how the Force works. No, that's what I'm saying. The chapter skip to uh, to the Han Solo Han segments. Solo. Ben! <laughs> Maybe not that one. God, that makes me so sad. Like, I still watch like, out. Oh, my God. Um, Strong men also, also cry. cry. A pair of testicles? <laughs> uh, all right, so we are talking about another Disney property yeah. today. Um, huge thing. Like, Joel and I both, like... It, we are as manly as you get. That's right. We, we love power tools. Facial hair. Cooking out facial hair. Tits. Sucking cock. I mean, what? what? <laughs> so, no, we're, we're huge fans of the animated Beauty and the Beast. Dude, I cannot tell you how how seminal a moment this film was in my life. Because yeah. I, I don't know if you know this about me. I used to want to be a Disney animator. Like, I used to want to yeah, go you've talked about that. into animation, hand-drawn. I realized I didn't have... Uh, the patience to do that, to draw mm-hmm. the same thing, 24 frames a second. Yeah. Uh, I realized that early on, which is too bad, but I still just have a, a passion for the art, old 2D animation. Uh, and I was writing about my apex when this film came out. Yeah. And I, I didn't just watch this film, Joel. I studied it. Oh, yeah. I, I used to draw little uh, flip books of mm-hmm. like the beast taking his cape and whipping it around. You know, there's that one shot in the yeah. movie, and somewhere in my box of shoebox of shit, I have a little <laughs> flip book that I made. Shoe box of shit. I know how to draw, draw all the characters. I loved it. Yeah? Mm-hmm. That's cool, man. I wish I had that kind of talent. No, I'm being sincere. Like I really <laughs> I wish I tell. had that kind of talent. I, I, I've always wanted to draw. In fact, my, my parents bought me like a drafting table when Ooh. I was... Uh, like I was 13 or something, and I had it in my room, and I would sit down, and I'd be like, what am I going to draw? And I'd try drawing, and I'm horrible. <laughs> I am so bad. And everybody says, like, if you just keep at it, you get better at it. And no. I'm like, no. No. No, Some not things, me. Yeah. Uh, I keep I, shooting basketballs. I'm not getting any better. I'm no Lauren Burnson. I'm gonna just. Oh, say dude, that. yeah. Well, that guy can draw. Makes a his living doing it. Ass off. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, look at Lauren. He has no ass because <laughs> he drew it off. Uh, no, so Beauty and the Beast. Same with me, man. Like, you know, I, I had a little sister about that time when like Disney was hitting its like its renaissance with the 2D animated films. Mm-hmm. So we had like, Little Mermaid, Got it. Beauty and the Beast, yep. Aladdin, mm-hmm. The Lion King. Mm-hmm. Uh, like those are for me. 
those are kind of the big four. Of course. Um, and then it started going downhill with like Pocahontas and yeah. Milan. And yeah. Like it started, I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if like the creative team changed mm. um, or I, if they just started drinking their own Kool-Aid and they I, stopped really. No, I, I think, you know, uh, I think the animators probably wanted to do something different than talking animals for, uh-huh. for the following 20 years. But yeah. um they had a formula, and they didn't want to fuck up that formula. And that formula was musicals. And as much as I love Beauty and the Beast and some of the other Disney musicals, not every animated film needs to have singing in it. And yeah. I think when they started shoehorning that in, it's like, oh, Pocahontas, well, right, we have to have songs about her people being oppressed. Imagine how different that film would have been. <laughs> Hunchback of Notre Dame. If it were just, Where yeah. the evil, the evil priest, what's his name, is like Dude. singing about his loins. There's some dark <laughs> shit like, in there, what? too. Yeah, he's like uh, got a serious crush on Esmeralda. Esmeralda. And if he can't have her, no one can. Yeah. Especially a dude with a hump on his back. But something that wasn't quite so deep or dark was Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Uh, Fairy tale. Simple story. Tale as old as time. (laughs) Song as old as rhyme. (laughs) Barely even friends. Then somebody bends most erotically. (laughs) Uh, And the the weird thing about Beauty and the Beast is like, you know, just like with Little Mermaid and Aladdin and Lion King Mm -hmm. is that it worked on so many different levels that there was something enjoyable you know, for kids and enjoyable for the adults. You know, Disney was really good at that time at throwing in those little winks and nods for the adults to kind of, you know, oh, there you go, there's something too. Mm-hmm. Um, Beauty and the Beast, having the distinction, we've talked about this before, of being the only animated film That's right. to be nominated for Best Picture. That's right. Ended up losing to Silence of the Lambs. What uh, do you think okay. about that? I'm, I feel... Pr- well. I don't know. I don't think it. I don't. I, I think this is one of those situations where they got it wrong. They got it wrong. Hmm. I think they got it wrong because look back on Silence of the Lambs. I'd have to know what else was nominated. Oh, okay. Alongside yeah. of it, I can't. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. But Silence of the Lambs is a good movie. It's just like a thriller, though. It's a psychological it, it, thriller. Uh huh. Right. And you have some good performances. I think obviously Anthony Hopkins was fantastic mm-hmm. as Hannibal Lecter. But if you were to go back and revisit Silence of the Lambs, it, there's not. Like, there's a psychology to it, but it's not what... I, th- I think it won on the merits of shock value. Here's what I would say. If 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 we're saying that this is a timeless classic, you know, mm-hmm. like Citizen Kane, it holds up even 100 years later. Yeah. Um, then Seven should have been nominated and this won true. an Oscar. Because yeah. Seven is a... Is, seven changed the game. Seven uh, is superior to Silence of the Lambs in every single way, mm-hmm. I would say. Maybe. Yeah. I, th- I I don't think those two were up against each other. But. No, 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 but I'm just saying, uh, here's, here's the same but I, kind of I do agree. formula. I, I agree. I think production-wise, mm-hmm. uh, Fincher fucking did a fantastic job. Just in the story it was telling, too, mm-hmm. and the way it was telling, it was very unconventional. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was groundbreaking at the time. Yes, it was. So it's like, why? yes, by that rationale, Silence of the Lambs does not equal... Seven, which does not equal Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> right. An right. interesting double feature, though. Uh, yes. Seven <laughs> bring, and then Beauty and the Beast. Bring the kids. <laughs> or, or the other way around. Uh, but I, I do feel like Beauty and the Beast, you talked about a timeless classic, a film that, you know, it, it transcends generations. That's Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I agree. You know? And so it's, it's, it's fun that it has that distinction. I think Sarah was looking it up, and I guess Beauty and the Beast was the first Disney animated film to bring on an actual, like, script, a script writer. What? Yeah, like a, what do you or mean? a script supervisor. Oh, or something okay, like that. maybe. Yeah, um, they all have script writers. But but it's <laughs> but it, it's interesting. It's interesting to watch and see. Like, yeah, there's like a little bit more cohesion with the story going on, even though the animated film kind of bounces around a little bit. But yeah. it's an animated film. I mean, 
primarily aimed at kids, so you don't have to really dwell on the details. But it's a pretty tight film as it is. Even yeah. I was rewatching it again earlier, uh, the original now. Um, <laughs> well, I came in and it was in the middle of that, like, the cut <laughs> musical humans sequence. Humans again. Oh, we're humans again. <laughs> Which I'm like, nope. Nope, mm-hmm. not original canon. Nope. You can you save that shit for that, Broadway. That, that is fucking Greedo shooting first, a beauty and a beast. <laughs> it kind of is, yeah. <laughs> yes. This doesn't need to be any longer. Um, <laughs> She's never said to me that. <laughs> <laughs> Where was I going with this? Oh, oh, but one of the things I love most about animated films um, is that there is such attention and detail given to when you're making a film that slowly, when every frame has somebody's attention to it. Yeah. Uh, and, and the fact that they really have to tell that story and get the script and the storyboards right before even a single cell is drawn, right? Sure. They got to make sure it works in these little cue cards mm-hmm. so that it'll work in film when they finally uh, uh, produce it. Yeah. So they spend so much time doing that in a way that like live action films... I mean, you hear all the time about, oh, we were still writing the script as we were. As it was going on. There's no such thing of that in animation because yeah. then if, if you're going to change the script, well, we got to book uh, fucking Robin the vo- Williams the voice to come actor's here. got to come in. And do yeah. uh, these couple, couple extra lines for the genie. Um, so they're always really kind of tightly uh, scripted and paced. Um, and listening to it again, the, 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 the animated version, just the lines come so like they just give you the minimum information you need. You know what yeah, I mean? Yep. It's like we're not going to dwell on all these little details, and we're going to get to the the heart of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is very effective in doing that. Yes. Uh, so here we are. What? How long has it been since? Uh, well, the first one came out in ninety two. Ninety two. So yeah, twenty five years. God, Ooh. man. So here we are, twenty five years later, and we've got a live action Beauty and the Beast. Uh, and when the teasers were coming out, people were losing their fucking shit. Yeah, man. I may have shared a teaser or two. Oh, yeah. And, the, and, you know, you, you would hear that Alan Menken score, mm-hmm. especially that, like, the that beast theme. That dun, 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 dun. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's some powerful fucking music. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, I don't know anybody who didn't get fucking chills. Yes. Like, <gasps> Absolutely. They're doing what? Oh, mm-hmm. this is, and, and the thing is, we're coming from a society where Disney has been doing, like, these live action reboots. Of like they did it for Maleficent, they did yeah. it for Cinderella. They're, they, it's, I mean, it shit. started with with Broadway, right? They were taking all these and oh, let's make Broadway shows of all of our properties, and yeah. now it's it's turned into live action reboots of their animated because they're doing Aladdin next. I don't know if you know that, but they, it was called Prince of Persia. They've been <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> will Jake be Gyllenhaal's playing coming the, back. Uh, the title role. It's like we're finally going to do the movie we meant to make. <laughs> uh, How yeah. do you do that without Robin Williams? Uh, that is going to be... I mean, like, are we going to get... Are uh, they going to use Robin Williams' voice for a CG genie? No, they could not do that, You don't right? think so? I don't think... First of all, I don't, they'd have to get the family to sign off on that. I don't think that's going to happen. But also, I don't know that they want to take it that direction. I don't want anyone to be so so literal. Um, and that's interesting because that's what this film, the, the 2017 live-action version, was kind of trying to have it both ways, I feel. Eat, have their cake and eat it, too. I, I read somewhere that uh, they, initially they wanted to, re- to kind of do a reboot and not use the songs. Like, oh. it was just going to be, we're going to take the story and we're going to take everything, but we're going we're gonna to reboot it a bit. I've got to tell you, like, I'm I'm glad they didn't go that direction. Of course not. It yeah. Because I wasn't interested in seeing a live-action <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. Exactly. That's just like... This is the story. Yeah, we and had that like, TV show with uh, Sarah Connor. <laughs> Linda Hamilton. Back in the 80s. It was like, no. And Ron Perlman. Completely different, yeah. Yeah, no, this... So, yeah, this is uh, this is interesting because they did. They, they used a, a bunch of the original music uh, and then kind of added a couple of numbers yeah. that weren't bad. They're, They're not bad. Dude, I got to tell you, like, Beast Solo. You like that? News, I liked it a lot. As she's uh, running away. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I thought that it was... 
the the lyrics were powerful for me. Powerful lyrics. Uh, I thought that the staging of it was fantastic. I do love that. It's like how are you going to slow down or, or keep this part of the film from slowing down? Because we're well, we're like right before the climax. Yeah, right? yeah. she's running away. He's finally set her free. It's right after the dance, exactly. Yeah. Um, and we have this nice number. Who, the song's kind of forgettable, melody-wise. Um, I, I remember not being offended at it, uh, by it at the wow, time. No, you like it a is, lot better? It is stuck with me since Sarah I, I can't and I remember how it went. Um, but, but I, and I, lyrically, yes, I was with it. And I know that she'll never leave me. That's, yeah, okay. Even as she mm, fades from away. view. That's true. That's really nice. Oh. And, and yeah, the staging, he's like climbing around the castle because she keeps running out of his view and it's, yeah. it's obstructed by uh-huh. a tower. So he then runs through the castle to another yeah. part so he can see her. And just what away. it represents too, that, that yeah. he is finally, I mean, everybody talks about it for Beauty and the Beast that it's all about Belle falling in love with the Beast. But, you know, this is, this is also the part where Beast kind of reconciles with himself that he's able to put someone before him. Yes. It's the first time he's been able to put someone ahead of himself and... He he doesn't begrudge her that. Mm-hmm. Like he's almost thankful that he got to experience that feeling. Could which miss is, the pain. It's so fucking great. But I had to miss the dance. Yeah. Looking back, it's high school prom for me, oh buddy. My God, I'm slow things down right, a bit. Couple skate. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> okay, so so I didn't mind that song, and I and I I love the staging. Um. For me, so there's a couple added songs, right? There's that one, and then there's the one at the beginning that kind of interrupts... Days in the, the Sun. The prologue. Oh, okay, No, there's yeah, that. the one that interrupts the prologue as, yeah. as we kind of get a little more backstory. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, what was the Days in the Sun? Oh, that's the one um, that's it, where that all of the uh, Beast has the been utensils. injured, and yeah. <laughs> Beast has been, well, it starts off with young Prince Adam, mm-hmm. I think is his name. Uh, it starts off with him kind of, and we kind of come back, and he's singing to his mother, and then he gets kind of pulled away, and then it's all the other like the the other characters, the mm-hmm. side characters, mm-hmm. um, kind of singing it. And that's a, it's a touching song as it's well. Fine. I will say that like some of the songs kind of they 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 strike as a all right. This is best original song bait for the <laughs> exactly, Oscars. Yeah, we're gonna get John Legend and Ariana Grande to sing yes, the uh... which I love, man. You go to Taco Bell, get a <laughs> number five a... and Ariana Grande. <laughs> They got the same thing at Starbucks. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll take I'll take the Ariana Grande. Uh, no, I, I I see. I think I liked the new songs more than you did. Uh, it sounds like it. Yes, yeah. for me, I, I don't necessarily mind the song so much. But this movie, Joe, is two hours and like two hours nine minutes. Uh, yeah, they added forty five minutes to this movie exactly, and it's like okay. Um, Sell me on it. Like, uh-huh. you know, give me a reason why you think this improves the film. And for me, it just kind of slowed it down, especially right off the bat. Really? I don't know that we need to delve. If you're going to delve into the Beast backstory, uh-huh. which I don't think is a bad idea. I think it's an excellent idea. Yeah, because I, we need it, but we they, needed something better than what they gave us. I feel like, oh, I, I thought it was fine. I, I think it was just like fine, how you said with the animated more. film, they didn't give us more than we needed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and so... What they did, it felt like they took all the criticisms that people had of the animated movie of, mm-hmm. you know, what, so the witch, like, cursed an, a 10-year-old boy? Right. Like, what the hell? So what they did was they ex- they gave us a little bit of, like, look, he was snobby, he was shitty. They, there was no dialogue in that opening bit. Yeah. Other than the narration, the yeah. there's the song and no dialogue, and it's the narrator telling us, like, the, the witch came in or mm-hmm. the, the old woman came in, he spurned her mm-hmm. and then paid for it. Like, we see it unfolding. I mean, unless they're going to do it through fucking, you know, stained glass again like they did at the beginning of the <laughs> No, I'm, I'm fine with them showing it that way. I guess what I'm saying is don't just 
show it so that we can see what the actual... Because I, th- I think that's the primary reason they did it. If we're going to see him turn back into a human from a beast, we need to know what he looked like beforehand. So I, I think part of the decision for the adding that scene at the beginning had to do with that. Okay. So that audiences would connect with this character maybe, prior to his transformation. Maybe part of the decision, but I also think majority of the decision was to also set up all those people that were in the palace. That's exactly also what they were doing. And and then explaining like Stanley these Tucci. people were in another village... You know, no, no, not not even oh, the people, that that, part but the pe- all the people that were there were actually the townsfolk. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's I feel like that's interesting. That was a cool like little seed that was being planted at the beginning, and then it kind of came back around in the end of like, oh, that fucking explains it. Like that's what these people were all part of the court, mm-hmm. and like now they've set up a town over here, and they're all really you know it, it, it kind of it speaks to the fact that they've all forgotten. Yeah, it speaks to the, how naive they are and how naive they were. Um, I don't know. I don't mind it quite so much. Okay. Well, I just want if you're going to do the flashback, I want to see a little more about that character. Yeah. Um, instead of him just like dancing with a bunch of pretty chicks, because uh-huh. that's kind of what we're told. It's like he's petulant because why? I mean, we see how he treats the enchantress. Yeah. But uh, I, I need a little more, and especially like right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So I was a little bumped immediately. Um, you know, the first five minutes into this film, sure. Because so my one of my overarching arcing. Arching? Arching critiques of this film is going to be that it tried to have its cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. It wants to be a remake. Hey, remember all the songs you love? Hey, remember all the pacing? Hey, we're just going to do like almost like a, a shot for shot reenactment. But then we're going to tweak stuff just enough, and we're going to add stuff in, and we're going to change a few things uh-huh. because we're going to make it better. It's going to be better. It's going to be longer, faster, uncut. <laughs> um, okay. It's that South Park movie. <laughs> um, but all it's doing by by attempting this. It's just reminding me enough of the film that came prior. And then when it veers off on its own, it's kind of like, okay, well, why did you do that? I, I need a better reason than some of the reasons they gave us to deviate uh, from from what came before. Okay. All right. I, I, I understand I have that. some examples later on that we'll get to. Oh, all right. Oh. Wonderful. I can't wait to get to it. <laughs> or you could just go to them now if you want to. Uh, well, I mean, like, I mean, what are we going to do? Summarize, guys, Beauty and the Beast is about a woman who lives in the town. She's a little progressive <laughs> no, for it. her small town. No, you got it. Yeah. And that's why I feel okay, by the way, uh, kind of doing spoilers for this sure. this film because it, uh, it already is a remake. Um, and I think the things we're going to talk about that are new, um, they're not going to be surprising. Yeah. They're not going to change the outcome or sure. the way you feel about this Uh-huh. Film. Yeah. So uh, so let's talk about the Enchantress then. Okay. Who is now a character in this film? Agatha. Agatha. Who uh, shows up at the beginning. We see her and then she transforms into the... I guess she's beautiful. And we can't tell. She looks I thought like, she was attractive. She looks like Kate Blanchett from thought, uh, fucking Lord of the Rings. I thought she's even, bathed in white. Even when she was like a beggar woman, I'm like, it's kind of an attractive woman. <laughs> I'd still hit that. I'd probably still hit that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she shows up at the beginning. She shows up halfway through to rescue Maurice uh-huh. from a weird subplot that was added into this film where instead of uh, Gaston and Lumiere, Lumiere <laughs> Gaston and Lafou trying to get uh, poor Belle's dad uh, incarcerated yeah. or yeah. thrown into the loony bin they attempt to murder him death by wolf which was yeah no I, I <laughs> they like tie him to a tree and leave him for dead uh-huh. and even Lafou is having like some 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 conscious sure yeah yeah crisis of conscious thank you <laughs> I love that <laughs> Instruments of destruction. Instruments of destruction. <laughs> tools of what do you say? Uh, tools of power play. A power play. <laughs> tools of power play. I realize now that's wrong. <laughs> this is a song about playing hockey. <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, uh, so she shows up again there, <laughs> yeah. and then we see her at the end again. Uh-huh. She's actually fucking in the castle. Well, first of all, she stows away with the rest of the townsfolk who are there to kill the beast yeah. in that musical number, and then just kind of like is is making her way up the castle. Up the castle. She's there at this in the seminal moment where Beauty is is Belle is uh, professing her love and yeah. vice versa, and he's transforming back. She's fucking there. Yeah, and for me. Joe, it kind of cheapened that moment. Like, what is supposed to be the huge climax here? Which, by the way, why don't you just recreate the shot where they embrace and then the fucking fireworks blow up behind them? They totally didn't do that, and it was a missed <laughs> opportunity. But never mind. That's neither here nor there. Uh, but Agatha shows up. <laughs> so it, now, instead of... It's almost kind of implied that she personally lifts this curse, right? Uh-huh. I liked it before when it was kind of just like the, the power of love. It's the power of love. <laughs> so Agatha, no. Can you feel Huey it? Huey Lewis, Okay. <laughs> Exactly. Should, should Huey Lewis awesome. have been there? That would have been awesome if she takes the, uh, the, her hood off like uh, Luke Skywalker at it's the like, end of Force Awakens. Don't need money! <laughs> <laughs> Power of love! Don't it's curious no thing! Candelabra to ride this wagon. Oh my god. Doesn't make sense at all. Um, Not at all. So, I didn't like that. I felt that kind of cheap. I like I like the, the mystical version in the in the animated film where it's I, like, oh, the power of love is something that can't be defined. Like, you just know it when you know well, it. And that's what like, lifted it's not like they defined it, but I, I could kind of dig it both ways. I, I liked it in the animated film, but I kind of didn't mind it in this one. I, I felt like okay. it was it was less ethereal, sure, but I like that she was there to witness it and see, like, oh shit, boom, we're gonna lift, we're gonna we're gonna reverse this. You know, this is this was mine to to give, and now I can take it away. It's awfully convenient. Um, yeah. It's it is convenient, but and it's it takes Disney. the magic out of it. Disney's, though I don't like does this, it. She's uh, an enchantress. She's made of but magic. But she already made the spell. The spell should be lifted when the uh, the requirements are met. Which, by the way, but the requirement was met. But it, and but the was thing it? is, they they did the whole like, okay, well the last petal fell and it's dark, and then she finally says it, and so Agatha's there to go. You know what? I'm gonna allow it. I know, but we don't need that. It, it, it cheapens it. It didn't Joe. bother it takes me. It away. I, well, I see where you're coming from. It, bugged it me. didn't. It didn't bother me. Um, it's it's just uh, one of many examples for me in this film where some of the moments that should have been that should have glued this piece together, as it did in the animated film, they just those moments just didn't hit the mark. And there's like four or five moments that I think, in order for the, to to buy into this kind of silly story, right? Uh-huh. It's a fairy tale. Yeah. I need to kind of believe, I need to see these moments. I need to see these changes in the characters. Sure. And there's several opportunities to do them. Uh, the, the first one being when Belle kind of sacrifices herself for her father at the beginning. Yeah. Like, take my place. That scene, I feel like, wasn't as strong as it was in the animated film. Okay. I didn't see that kind of turn in her. Um it, it it happens too quickly. It's almost like they're trying to match the beats, but in doing so, from a technical standpoint, they didn't from an emotional standpoint. Uh-huh. So I maybe you felt differently than I did. I think that what they were doing is trying to make Belle a little bit more proactive as a female protagonist. Yeah. Uh, and so the way that she gives herself, she sacrifices herself for her father is a little bit more... I'll, I'll put it like this. In the animated feature... Belle says that she'll take her father's place, yeah. and then Beast's like, fine, and he goes and gets Maurice, and Belle drops to her knees and starts crying. Yeah. Whereas in this one, she gives him the hug, and she's like, I'll miss you, I'll miss you, father, and then like pushes him out of the cell. A lot more heroic yes. from, from a, a dramatic standpoint. So that's not the part that I mind. Oh, what okay. I mind is, well, I mean, I would have done it differently, <laughs> but 
the part, like you said, directly afterwards, the beast grabs Maurice uh-huh. and tosses him, and she's crying. And, and uh, when he comes back, she's like, she's sobbing, and she's like, you didn't even let me say goodbye. Yeah. And, and at that moment, we see the beast kind of go, you know, he's, he's been his asshole basically the whole time. And for the first time, we kind of see him have a little bit of sympathy. But we and got that's that the when she moment. says, are you so heartless you won't let a daughter say goodbye to her? To her, her, her father? Uh, Forever can wait a minute. I know? did like that line. Yeah. Um, y- yes, those moments happen. Uh huh. They just, for me, didn't carry the same weight. Gotcha. And the same thing happens... Um, so I have another example here. Um, near the end, the cl- climax. Uh, when the Beast is fighting Gaston. They're on the, the, uh, the, the tower, jumping yes. around like fucking yeah. Spider-Man. Uh-huh. Um, a little gratuitous. On the, on the spires and stuff. A little gratuitous. It's, it kind of happens a lot, a lot in the same way in, yeah. in the animated movie. Well, except you know, Gaston is wielding a gun in this one instead of yeah, a knife. Yeah, instead of so a knife. It's a little brutal watching him like get shot in the back multiple times. Three times he gets Three shot. Three times, fool. Um, and he uh, he doesn't uh, he doesn't react. And so in the film, like you know, Gaston's kind of having his way with him, and he's kind of somewhat fighting back. But it's not until he sees Belle that she's come back for him. Yeah, that he kind of gets his Popeye strength. Uh-huh. And remember, Gaston's going in for that last weapon. He sure. holds his hand, and he realizes he's got he's, he has to stay around to, to protect her. That he has uh-huh. something to, to live for again. Yes, that moment. Was was lacking for me in yeah. this live action version. I don't feel like it was nearly because they were trying to. I don't know. I don't know the reason for it. But it's, it's like he it's sees like Bell the filmmakers first. were trying to like make you believe for at least a split second, like this might not end the way that you think it's going to. This might not end like the animated movie. I guess really, I, I never that's, got that's that only, feeling. No, no, no. But I'm just trying to think like. That's the only reason why I would think that you would draw it out like they did and maybe stay and stage it differently. Well, it, it turns into a moment where he finds something to fight for and he realizes she's come back and he needs to he, he has something to live for again and gets his super strength. In this, it turns into I see her off in the distance. She's climbing to me. I'm trying to get to her. Gaston's just an obstacle in that. He's not fighting Gaston. He's trying to get to Bell. He's Belle. fighting to get to Bell. Exactly. Um, and, and it's it's subtle, but it changed it enough for me to where like, mm, I like the original version better. Why would you change it for the worse? Okay. One more that I will get to before we no, get to the other okay. aspects. I feel like that one's a little subjective, though. I think that, you know, it's... What, so far they you, both are. How you're, no, 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 but I'm talking about how you're interpreting that moment. Okay. Well, then, uh, maybe you'll agree with me here. The library. The library that the Beast gives... Uh, Bell. Okay. His, you know, all of his books, his glorious collection. So in the animated film, it's this moment. They're already kind of connecting, right? They're throwing snowballs at each other. They're having a little song. And he, f- he finds out she likes books, whatever. And then he's, uh, oh, no, no. He's he's talking with his utensils. He's talking with Lumiere and, and Gaston, yeah. uh, not Gaston, uh, uh, Cogsworth. Cogsworth. Trying to figure out what I can do to give to her. And uh, he's, Lumiere's like, oh, you got to find something from her heart. And he realizes he's got this library. She loves books. So there's that moment where he he surprises her, right? He's like, cover your eyes. Yeah. Come in here. He uh, opens the curtains, and then he's like, open your eyes, and she's in love. And he's like, all this is yours. Take it. It's a great moment, and it's it's for the first time in that film where he's 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 doing something for somebody else that he hasn't done before. He's okay. gone the extra mile. I feel like in the animated film, though, it comes across a little disingenuous. Like, it's a little too much of a to-do. Whereas in this one, they walk into the library and he's like, here, you take a look. This is books. It's flippant like, oh, in this one. Oh, wow. And he's like, oh, well, if you like it, it's yours. Yeah. It's it's like he stumbles onto it instead of being proactive about wanting to do something for her. It's just like, oh, oh, you like books. Oh, yeah, I forgot I have this library here. Hey, you know what? Uh, chill out here. Do what you want. Take You know, that's the same. 
The, the I just felt like it, they played it a little more subtly. I don't. I didn't catch it as flippant, but, well, but it was a little more subtle. It's not even the way it's played. It's like the motive is completely different. Like he's not. He's not doing something for her. He falls into that gift. Well, he's yeah, not. He, I don't he's th- not thinking of her. He, well, I don't think that he believes that there's a chance that they could like fall in love, and break the spell. Whereas I think in the animated film we were jumping immediately to like you need to make her fall in love with you. Let's do this. Okay, okay. So great. You've just led me into another thing. And Jen and I cool. were talking about this. Awesome. Because she. I'm so happy. Well, so. In the animated film, it's made clear that he knows the rules. He knows that he has to fall in love. He has conversations with his utensils about it, right? <laughs> you just keep what, calling them. What should there's I call a, them? There's a candle. There's, there's a his appliances. His appliances. Fine. There you go. Or just his friends. His uh, servants. His servants. There you go. His um, <laughs> he's having top conversations like, oh, you've got, she has to fall in love with you if she's going to break this bell, right? Uh-huh. Um, so he knows about it. In the film, in the in the live action version, did you get the impression that he knew that that's how the spell was going to be broken? Is yeah, they all knew the rules, the, the, but well, they, we they know they the utensils to tell know her because they don't want to tell her. So we, the audience, learned well, that. How in that are they going to know when he doesn't? Well, well, dude, how does he know any of this shit? Dude, the fucking fucking well, Agatha that, the you Enchantress. Could, you could say that about the animated film too. How do they know the rules in that? Oh, I know, but you can play it off as a cartoon. In this one. <laughs> <laughs> in this one, it's a fairy tale. There's lots of things that... This is the same story. I know, but for some reason in live action, it's different. We expect more out of live action than we do in our in our animated musicals. Okay, all right. Um, but also, it's just like... It, so, if he doesn't know that, that this is how the spell is going to be broken, falling in love, it means a lot more to that character. It means that he wasn't trying to fall in love, that he maybe potentially actually did fall in love, and that's what broke the spell. Whereas, like you said, in the animated movie... He kind of knows that that's what he has to get out of it. Are his intentions pure? Yeah, because he's kind of being self-ish mm-hmm. because he's going to get something out of but it. But I too. think I think ultimately the intentions are pure in both films when he agrees that she should go. That's yeah, oh, that's yeah. the ultimate. That's obviously, the, the moment where sacrifice he makes the sacrifice. You do love her because you let her go. True. So it doesn't so, change that. No, so. it doesn't. It, it still ultimately leads to that point. All right. Well, I'm fine with that part. I'm, I'm fine with that part too. <laughs> okay. Let me go. So can I go back to Agatha real quick? Can because you we please? Just touched on I it. can't wait to talk more about Agatha. Sorry. <laughs> well, no. So in the film, not only does she turn him into a beast and everybody that he's he... A fa- he's, he's a beast. He's got fangs. That's razor right. Sharp razor ones. sharp ones. Um, Massive paws. Killer claws. Killer claws. Please. Um, hear him more on the phone, but we're not coming home until he's dead. Good and dead. Let's kill the beast. It's wildebeest. <laughs> so uh, Agatha tells him that, I, I guess, she, at some point she has to impart all of this information. Like, she's got a hell of a leave behind in this film. First of all, she leaves behind. she left it, like, in a scroll or in a book? <laughs> no, well, I feel like there was a whole care package, like a basket, that because you have to have the uh, the magic mirror, the mirror the that rose, lets you see anything. And now the, rose. the marauder's map. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes, why Why are they introducing this whole, this book, this time travel teleportation book now? Thank you. Now this, we're getting to my criticism of the movie. Let's do it. Is this, and this is honestly really my main criticism of the film, is this weird map that the Enchantress left behind, and they tried to build it up like, it was the cruelest trick of all, because I can go anywhere, but there's no place for me. Okay, um, <laughs> this is just, a, it's just... A little too neat that we we got this map where we can go anywhere, so that way we could explore Bell's backstory, um, and and learn that Bell 
you know, lost her mom to the plague, and yeah. we got that whole backstory. And I appreciate what they were doing, giving Do- them something to kind of connect, that they had something in common that bridged their worlds. But it was, it was to, and I don't know if this is, it, it, you understand what I'm saying? Oh too. yeah. Like this is the kind of thing that's like I'm sitting in the theater and I'm going, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> But seriously, right? But seriously, do we need to do this? Right no, now? no, it's completely unnecessary. It, it, it doesn't it really necessary. serve the story. I don't think that connection. I don't think we need any more of a connection. Again, if it worked in the animated film, you should be able to make this work in live action. Well, and the thing is, not only did it serve to create a connection between her and Beast, but it also served to create a connection between her and her father. We don't fucking need it. We don't ultimately need we it. We already have it's, it. it in, in a different movie, mm-hmm. something like this would have been fine. But we've already got so many things going. There's so many. There's so many ingredients we've already put in the pot, and we're stirring it up, and we're all, we're already making a really tasty dish. We don't need this. Mm-hmm. This is it's a little too much. It's it chews up time. Uh, it it ultimately it, it's not it's not important to the story with these two people who are already establishing a connection with one another. Right. That like. Oh, she learns early on that like he was his mother passed away and he was taken away by his father who twisted him, and then he learns about her mom uh, in 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 the what, what was it a windmill that they were living in? Yeah, they were living in the Moulin Rouge apparently. <laughs> <laughs> in Paris. Well, that's cool because Ewan McGregor was in this movie. So, oh yeah, uh, good call. Is, well, we'll did, talk about that. Did you second. guys go see my friends? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, I am Christian Lumiere. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! No, so yeah, it, it, without kind of harping on it too much, I did feel like this this concocted deal about her having a mom that she lost and da 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 da, and he had lost his mother, and it was unnecessary. Snooze fest! Um, oh my God! We didn't need that in the animated film, and ultimately, it wasn't something that we needed in this live action. Of course version. not. Yeah. Again, why are you padding this to an over two-hour movie that's supposed to be for like families of all ages? Yeah, keep it at a lean one thirty, one forty-five, and stop killing moms off, guys. Yeah, seriously, seriously Disney, stop not, it. Not everything has to be Bambi, right? Except everything has to be Bambi. <laughs> uh, hey, you mentioned Ewan McGregor. I'm sorry, were you about to make another? No, no, I was about. I was. I think I'm probably going to go the same place you're going. Let's talk about the well, casting. Talk about the casting. Uh, yeah. I think Emma Watson is fantastic. Do you? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, mm. and I agree with you. Great. But a lot of the reviews that I've been reading and listening to, a lot of people are saying like, "Who? She just doesn't bring any life to this character. She's so subdued." And uh, and I, even even Sarah, I think was it was it Sarah said that like she started to kind of take a back seat near like the second half of this movie. There are moments, uh, specifically in the "Be Our Guest" um, musical number. Where she's clearly like acting against a green screen, which you would think for a girl who who <laughs> lived her, eight the first movies. half of her life with Harry Potter and <laughs> exactly. living in Hogwarts. Um, so I, I just kind of have to chalk that up to maybe the second unit director, whoever was directing her during those scenes, not really being able to connect her enough. Yeah. Um, so she's kind of a wet rag there. But I really liked, I liked her a lot. I thought she had a lot of life. I, I thought it was what other people call subdued. I call subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she had enough lively moments. I think that's a problem too when people go into a movie like this is like they want the same delivery in the songs. Right. They want the same thing mm-hmm. that they heard in the animated film and there's a difference, man. Animated film is kind of like wrestling where you've got to play to the back of the room. It's like it's like theater. Yeah. So it's got to be big cuz you're trying to hold the attention of children. Mm-hmm. So that's what we've been used to. So I I liked it. I I loved every bit of her performance yeah. even in the BR guest section. 
She did what she needed to be doing. Exactly. She was not the focus and be our guest. Exactly. Agree. Uh, and so I liked it. I love her version of, you know, the little town. Like, it's yeah. very it's very dreamy, and mm-hmm. I, I love it. Uh, <laughs> the delivery of the line when she's singing, uh, you know, when they're kind of discovering each other. She glanced this way. I thought I saw oh, yeah. She's singing uh, new and a, and a bit. bit. Alarming. Alarming. She kind of gives a little, what like, the fuck? I'm falling in love with a, yeah. with a goat. I really, <laughs> with a buffalo. Yeah. Uh, it's like out of, um, oh, what's that movie called with the guy with the hands? Oh, yeah, Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. Something yeah. out of Pan's Labyrinth. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I liked her a lot in this. I love Dan Stevens. I don't know who the fuck Dan Stevens is. Yeah. Apparently, he was on uh, Downton Abbey. I fucking loved him. I thought he did. I, I thought he was great. Yeah, he was good. Uh, I, I liked everybody. I don't. I really don't think there was a, really everybody. I don't think there was uh, everybody. Joe. Yeah, even I, the voice I, acting. I don't think that. Yeah, no, I liked it. Yeah, even Ewan McGregor. I liked Ewan McGregor. Oh, I did not like Ewan. McGregor. Really, I did not like his singing voice. And I, and I'll tell you what, I didn't know it was Ewan McGregor until the end. So I wasn't coming in with any preconceived notions. I yeah. haven't liked his voice since I've heard it in the trailers. I don't like the. Uh, it sounds like somebody trying to do a French accent, uh-huh. uh, and it's kind of off-putting. And again, it bears comparison. It begs comparison uh, with um, uh, what's Law and Order guy's name? Who's dead now? Jerry Orbach. <laughs> Jerry Orbach, who voiced the original Lumiere. Yeah, and it's it's kind of in a higher register, and it, I found it kind of grating. Oh, no, wow. just me. I liked it. I All liked right. it. I loved. I loved the relationship between him and Cogsworth. Uh, yes, Ian Ian Holm, Ian McKellen. Ian, Ian McKellen. That's right. <laughs> Different Ian. Gandalf slash uh, Magneto. I loved him. I love that their their little exchange where he's, he's like, you know, uh, if the master finds out, he's going to blame me. And Lumiere's like, I'm uh, counting on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and no, their little bits were like, a clock is right twice a day, right. but not this time. Yeah. You know, I I dug it. I liked his his delivery. Fine. I mean, you're talking about someone who sounds like he's doing a put on French accent. Meanwhile, you've got our main protagonist is a British girl. <laughs> exactly. Her father isn't even trying to do an accent. Well, at least it's a step in the right direction when we had nothing but American uh, English accents in, yeah. the, uh, in the first, in the in animated, the animated film. film. Mm-hmm. Uh, except Jerry Orbach. That's right. Who's the only one who is trying to affect a, a French accent. That's a good point. And Plumet. 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 I've been built by you before. <laughs> How did you feel about... So, you know what? We'll get back to the casting. How did you feel about some of the callbacks? Like the, I've been burnt by you before. Oh. Uh, Did you think that was necessary? Did they it... sprinkle enough of them in there. Well, I don't know. I, part of me kind of wishes they would just would have stuck with the original just dialogue. all the original dialogue. I mean, tweak it when you need to so it doesn't sound, um, so it sounds realistic coming out of live actors' uh-huh. voices. Yeah. But I felt like there were a lot of those lines, and, and, it, and it was happening throughout the opening song mm-hmm. where she's going through the village, where they tweaked all of those interactions. Yeah. And did it make them better? I don't think so. I think that made them different. I felt like I think I, I felt like I think some it was screenwriter done just to be different. I, I, I think so too. I think some screenwriter was like, "Well, I got to make my money. I can't give them back the entire. <laughs> what they've given they've me done. two weeks to punch up the script. I can't just be like, well, it's great to begin with.' You know, that's so, the best gig in the world, yeah, man. How would you say something? How would you say this differently? You have yeah. to put your own spin on it. And it's like, okay, it's different, but is it improving it or is yeah. it just different? Um, that's my major theme throughout this entire. No, I, and I and I got you. And I think I've got a, an example that you might agree with me. Oh, on. let's try. Um, when Maurice goes to to the market, crazy old Maurice, crazy old Maurice, He's always eh? good for a laugh. Crazy old Maurice. <laughs> hmm. uh, all right. So when he goes to the market and Belle's at home and she creates like her laundry. Yeah. Her washing machine. I dig that. And then, like, she's teaching little girl, but the, it never comes back. Her ingenuity mm-hmm. 
that never comes back. It did seem like they were setting something up. Yeah, um, that that never pays off. It doesn't really pay off. Like we get it. We get that she's smart. We get that she's independent. And then they there's this whole lot. And I thought maybe it was going to come back that she would create it at Beast's castle to help like the servants and stuff. Oh, but it didn't. Would have been like, nice. It never came back at all. Yeah. Um. There was just they just needed a a scene where she gets bullied. Where yeah. It shows that the town exactly. people. Don't and, like her because she's different, and we already get that. We get we got that idea. Yeah, it's in the fucking song that <laughs> opens the film. <laughs> she really is a funny girl. That in there. But there are some added sequences that I did like. Let's you know, it. like the uh, she comes out into the courtyard and Beast is reading. This is after they've done the whole like there might be something there that, that isn't. Is a nice moment. And there's that moment he's reading. Uh, he's reading King Arthur. He's reading Lancelot and Guinevere, and she comes out and they have that moment about like. I just kind of feel like as soon as I walk into a room, the laughter dies or like, you know, nobody mm-hmm. wants me around. Mm-hmm. And he turns to her and he's like, your village sounds completely terrible. <laughs> like, it's so it's like a nice touch. Yeah, it's a, it, but unfortunately, it leads to one of the moments in the movie that I'm like, oh, what? Really? But it's a really nice touch where they're connecting. It's mm-hmm. a very real, honest moment between them. Wait, what does it lead into? That you it leads like? into him bringing out the little map and they go to oh, Paris. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I guess, uh, so getting back to the casting, I really liked Emma Thompson as, as I Mrs. had no Pops. idea that was her until yeah. she shows up in, in, uh, in the flesh at the who end. Who did you know? Did you ghoul. not know who any of these people No, were? I didn't know Ian McKellen. I didn't know Ian McGregor. I didn't know her. I didn't know Stanley Tucci was in this yeah. either. I guess I didn't know any of the voices. I wow. just thought they had gotten like voice actors. Uh-huh. Um, but I knew all the live action people. Yeah. I knew Josh Gad. There you go. He was awesome. As the foo. As, uh. How do you feel about them giving him the sympathetic edge? Uh, I, listen, oh, oh, um, uh, I thought that this film got a little too real in some moments. Yeah, and I thought they were trying to, yeah, make they him were a using him character. to diffuse it a little bit. Or? Yeah, well, or just to kind of be like, hey, man, this ain't cool, Gaston. <laughs> you really are a bad guy, and I thought you were. Yeah, I, I kind of always liked him as. As his crony, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Even in the in the animated version, he's right there leading the march at the end. To yeah. the, and he kind of gets pulling his ass the feathers kicked. out of Plumet. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I kind of wanted that moment. Although I, I don't mind it. I I don't mind it. Um, since we're talking about his character, do you want to talk about like everybody up in arms the about controversy? The, the 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 gay character Dude, in Beauty and the Beast. Didn't we already think he was gay from the first one? Like, yeah. He's totally like hanging it's around his hero worship. His hero worship. And you know you. what? Honestly, though, it's not as like it's just not it's not out there. Like as you're watching the it movie, it is it's in the not final shot. In the yeah, in the final <laughs> shot. But it's not like obvious throughout the movie. It's like oh, he's gay. Mm-hmm. In fact, when people started because I didn't really hear about this until later. Right. When people were talking about like the oh, there's an openly gay character in the movie, I thought they were talking about one of the extras when oh. when the wardrobe comes down and dresses everybody up. And the two, there's three of them. Yeah, two of the yeah, guys yeah. see what they're wearing and they run <gasps> off. And then there's the third one who looks up and he's like, and she has the biggest smile. Like and he's... she says, "Go be free." Yeah. <laughs> and he walks off, dude. I wanted to applaud. It was great. It was I thought fun. that was a really. I thought that was a brave choice for Disney. It was fun. I was like, good for you guys. Uh, and I think that's important, especially where we. Live. I know we said we wouldn't talk about politics, and this isn't really politics, but I do. I do believe that there are people out there that need to see something like this. They need to feel like there's that exactly. support, yeah. especially in their pop culture and what they want. There have been studies done that show um, that you, you, people don't change their minds about something that they have a, a preconceived notion about until they meet somebody in person, until they know an individual who who is gay, who is yeah. bi, who is trans, who is whatever, fill in the blank, who is black, who is, you know, a different race. Uh-huh. Um, 
that's why you know that phrase. Oh, he's one of the good ones. One of the good. Yes. <laughs> that my grandfather. It's like used actually, to use. they're all good ones. Yeah, it's like if you got to if know you, all of them, <laughs> maybe you'd find that uh, there's yeah. Um, but but it for something about human psychology. It takes knowing or it takes being exposed to somebody yeah. so that you can kind of sympathize with them. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what pop culture. Yeah, I don't want to say it has a responsibility. I don't want to get up on my pious high horse here, but that's kind of that's how. That's how minds get changed. And that's how cultures progress, yes. right? It's, yeah. it's, think of where we were 50 years ago. I can't. came to race I'm relations. 50 years I know, ago. but I'm saying you know, we've, we've come a long way. Uh, and, and, and this is and the in way. And in danger of going backwards. A bit. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but we have a responsibility to kind of introduce new types of thinking to people. And, and this is the way we do it. We do it through entertainment, right? And, and so I thought this Call was... Call the Trojan horse. Whatever. I thought this was the... Trojan. Uh, so I thought this was the character they were talking about because, as you said, the very last shot, he ends up in the middle of the dance sequence. LeFou is dancing with this woman. And then, like, they change partners. And he comes in and starts yeah. dancing with LeFou. And even then, LeFou isn't like all... Mm, I'm going to get up on this. Yeah, he's kind of like, what is this curious thing mm-hmm. that I'm feeling? You know, like exactly. it's a split second reaction, and it got a great laugh. I yes. thought in the audience I was in. Yeah, um, you were in all of that audience, <laughs> all up, in all it. of them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, I like Josh Gad. All right. uh, I thought he was good. I'm not quite sure we needed to make him sympathetic, but I feel like because of who was playing the character. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's hard to hate Josh Gad. No, absolutely. I think he did a great job. He was so fun. It's great casting. Um, I see. Sadly, I think that because they kind of upped the ante for what Gaston was doing, so now he's an attempted murderer instead yeah. of just trying to cause just hijinks. Try, yeah. and get people out. Well, of his I mean, way. he tried to kill the beast and the yes, film. yes. But before then, he didn't really have any. So he was just tendencies. he was just rapey. He was just a dick. Just well, yeah, a rapey yeah. dick. He wants what he wants when he wants it. What's wrong with that show? <laughs> any hot blooded American would feel the same. Uh, no. Before we get to him. Mm-hmm. Before we get to him, I do want to kind of just touch on, um, like, the uh, the the whole bit where they okay, well, we can't talk about him now because this has, <laughs> okay. says something to do with where they they go out to try to find Bell, mm-hmm. and they've got Maurice, and he's starting to lose his temper, and Josh Gad's like, you know, Gaston, think happy thoughts, think of the oh, war. That was funny, yeah. Of explosions, but then like he punches out Maurice and ties him to a tree, mm-hmm. and then they leave. Yeah. How much time has passed from when Agatha finds Maurice, brings him back to her place? Because it's nighttime. She then brings Maurice back to her place, and it's daylight. Yep. And she's, like, feeding him Mm -hmm. and stuff. And by this point, I'd figure Gaston and LeFou are back home. Mm -hmm. But, like, when they get back at night... Mm -hmm. Maurice is there. He's beaten them there. Yeah, they, they took the long way around. How the fuck did that... Like, I'm trying to figure out how the fuck that worked out. Yeah. Um, I do feel like that attempted murder thing is just... It's a little too... It's a little too... Kind of talking about premium rush. It's a little too real. Yeah. Like, it gets a little too dark. Well, and there's even a line characters. about there. We're going to leave them to the wolves. The wolves are going to, like, tear them apart. And, and, and it forces you to imagine to that. visualize it. Exactly. Because we've seen the wolves at this point. Yeah, man. These and CGI they're, fucking they're, wolves. They're nasty. Out of uh, Hunger Games. Um, despite that, I really liked Luke Evans in this char- as this character. Yeah, in Ga- as Gaston. As Gaston. I liked him as Gaston. I liked the addition to the Gaston song. Yeah, yeah, I, me too. I, I liked that whole bit. I liked that they showed that like LeFou had to pay people to like Gaston. <laughs> I liked that too. I thought that was a great touch. Of course, that all gets diffused at the end, though, where Gaston is able to successfully incite a riot. <laughs> yes. So it's like, well, what the fuck, you know? Like, if everyone's taking his word for it, like, then obviously they don't need to be paid off. Maybe he was a, was a fun, town hero. Exactly. It was. It was a fun. It was a fun moment, though. Yeah. Uh, you know something else I just realized? What's that? So. 
Jumping back to the end, when the Beast finally lets Belle go, after they've had their dance, uh-huh. she really misses her father. Which is a, an allegory for sex. Guys. Uh, the dance? Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's totally... It's If you were... <laughs> any other movie, that would be the first time. Like, they finally fuck. Yeah. They might as well cut to a shot of a train going into a tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> Just drive that point home. <laughs> um... So he lets her go. She, she, she says, uh, I want to see my father. Oh, I happen to have this magic mirror that allows you to see your father, right? So uh-huh. we do all that the same. Why didn't she do that earlier when she had the magic teleportation map that could have. Why, why couldn't she just go home? To, to, yeah, to well, that, see seeing her father. And that's, that was my. I didn't worry about it then. I was worried about, like, at, after the dance when she's like, he's like, you must hurry to him. Go. Yeah, it's like, but then, like, I have this map here. I have that this will map that will take you there instantly yeah. <laughs> instead of having to take your horse. Yeah. Well, which apparently your... it takes you five days to get back home. Well, it was a day just Or to... it takes three minutes. A couple like, hours. That's, right. That's yeah. still a problem with this movie because obviously. Gaston and LeFou, because he says, he's like, Maurice, we've been searching for you for five days. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what? what? <laughs> because it seems like you were just gone a night. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what? So there's a little bit of a problem with the time, the passage of time on this. Got it. <laughs> Got it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're just kind of like, okay, are you done <laughs> no, talking? No, 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 no. No, no, that, no I, I understand. I sympathize with you, Joe. I supersize with you. <laughs> Listen, man. I, I, I super- agree. Dude, he was up at the Can't radio station the other day. Who's that? Oh, Dak Shepard. Dak Shepard and Michael that. Pena. Doing their chips. They, they were doing their chips promo tour. Right. And the thing is, unfortunately, the woman from SPCA also came out. Mm. And so, like, these guys are walking down the hall. And Superstars. people are, like, ex- excited to see them. And then suddenly, here comes uh, the SPCA dog. And everyone just, like, <laughs> loses. They lose their shit. They're, like, playing with the dog and, like, cr- scratching the dog. And so, yeah, Dak Shepard and, and Michael Pena just kind of like eye everybody and then start walking off. And I, I, I holler out to Dak Shepard. I'm like, love your wife. And he turns around and goes, so do I. Oh, <laughs> nice. That's probably what I would have done. Yeah. Yep. Joe, I felt like... <laughs> that, that, went, that went nowhere. Please go ahead. Cut that part out, Jeff. Let's the, talk l- about the fact that I felt like there were two directors directing here, right? So this okay. is Bill Condon. He's the guy. Bill Condon. <laughs> he's the guy who's credited at the beginning and the end in a very elaborate um, credit sequence. I like the credit sequence. Where they show all of the characters. I kind of like that, In the too. most gorgeous golden light. Yeah. It's nice. Yes. So there's that. He's the real director. You uh-huh. know, uh, the guy who gets credited, and he was working with the actors. But then there's a, a, a CG visual effects yeah. special effects director, right? Uh-huh. And I feel like a lot of those scenes, there's no cohesiveness between the Be Our Guest musical sequence, uh-huh. which is all just fucking like Fast and Furious it's camera, Busby like Berkeley, man. moving around and yeah. zipping through things and up things, and it's like it's 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 filmed. I say filmed. Nothing is filmed in that sequence, but it's displayed. Except for Emma, Emma Watson. That's true on a, on a green screen, looking at nothing, <laughs> looking through the characters. Good job, uh, but. <laughs> I feel like it was a little too frenetic, yeah, uh, and just mo- the camera moving around. Well, there's no parody between that and what's happening in the live. The live action is kind of shot by comparison, boringly. Uh-huh. Like you know, the, yeah, there's dollies and there's cranes moving down jibs and shit, but they're kind of subdued. They're almost kind of Christopher Columbus gotcha. style of directing, which is not a compliment. I guess I see what you're saying. No, did you I, not feel that? I, that doesn't I, bump I, you? I didn't know because honestly, like. 
I wanted to applaud after the Be Our Guest Be Our Guest? I thought it was beautiful. I thought at least what they created, the song and dance number in the CG realm, yeah. I thought it was gorgeous. I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was cheeky. It was it was a, a nice a nice nod to classic, you know, Hollywood, especially when like Mrs. Potts does her like little moment where she winks and blows a kiss. Yeah. And I was like, this is so cute. This is this is really well done. It it it's hard, especially with something like Be Our Guest, which is when you watch that in the original film, like that is a fantastic show piece stopper, of animation. Man. Yeah. Like it's it's so vibrant. You're watching that and by the time it's done, you're like, I cannot believe there's still like movie left after this. <laughs> yeah. And they had a hard time because you don't want it to fall short. Mm-hmm. So you, you wanna kinda build it up. You wanna try to I don't want to say outdo what you did before, yeah. but at least match it. And so I think they I think as far as the CG sequence uh or aspect of it, mm-hmm. I think they matched it. But I, I guess I can see where like the real world be, Bits well, just, it I, didn't quite match. I felt up. it was it was trying too hard, and and it, and maybe it's a, just a preference. I prefer the way that J.J. Uh, Abrams and and we're, we're seeing this in, as a trend now in visual effects, where we're supplementing. You know, we're they're using that technique where a special effect without a story is a boring <laughs> thanks, thing. Thanks, George. <laughs> we're, we're there's they're using that technology where you can have a camera on a green screen, but then on a little monitor here, you can see so you can see where they're Cat, living. Baz Kanata yeah. or whatever the fucker name is, uh-huh. Baz Lerman. So, um, <laughs> best so, so the, 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 the director can kind of visualize, okay, here's where everything's going to be, and here's where the focus is going to be, and here's how we're going to move the camera. Sure. Instead of leaving it up to the guy who's in charge of the 3D effects guys, sure. to just like, well, the camera's going to whip her in this way, and then go. There's no mastery, I think, to the way it's being filmed. It's like, right. because we can do anything with a camera, we're going to. It's not very intentional with, all right, we're going to set it up here, and then we're going to cut here. It it feels like cheating. You stood on the shoulders of genius, That's right? And then you you patented it, <laughs> you packaged it. No, but um, you're selling it. For me, it took a lot of the uh, a little bit of the impact of it huh. away. Well, that's it, in, that's it, interesting. It felt like it was trying too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, just me. I I I, I respectfully disagree. <laughs> okay. But uh, well, then let me let me take it a step further and just talk about. I feel like this entire podcast is you trying to like convince me, like Joe. There's something here that you should <laughs> the, let me let me that let wasn't me, there before. Let me offer a criticism. Okay. Before you move on to yours. Great. Um, as much as I liked the cast and I, I liked the characters, I think there were some characters added that we didn't exactly need. Uh, the Stanley Tucci character of the piano. Yes. We did not need him. We did not need Audra McDonald, the wardrobe. Uh, even though we had the wardrobe in the original movie. There was this weird side story with her that they didn't flesh out completely where they're like, if she could just stay awake. Like, okay, yeah. she's narcoleptic? Yeah, like, well, I was is that waiting part for that of the spell? There, there was nothing explained about why she keeps falling asleep. And then are you telling me that for like 20 years, they never just fucking like walked, she never walked out of the room and was like, hey, yeah. what's up, piano husband? <laughs> exactly. Like, what, the, what the fuck? She can't navigate the stairs? No, I mean, she clearly can. She does at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So that's th- a good point. That was that was a bit that I felt like we didn't exactly need. Also, uh, although I thought it was a cute touch when the Stanley Tucci piano shoots all the, uh, the keys out of his teeth, and then he returns human and he has no teeth. He's toothless. It's like that is that's pretty good, guys. Joe, speaking of that, not the Stanley Tucci character, but the wardrobe. How many, uh, how many characters do they have to change races before it kind of becomes pandering? Yeah. Oh, so so when when Belle's walking around and she's got like the the guy who runs the library yeah. is like, "Hello, I'm handsome black Frenchman." <laughs> exactly, but I've still got my white powdered wig on. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I, so I, that I, was number one. She was number two. Uh-huh. The, the the wardrobe was all right, fine, whatever. But then Plumet at the end. 
also it turns out, oh, she was a black chick too. Who I thought was Carrie Washington. I did too, I, right? I feel so and bad. And I was like, who, her and Lumiere are together, and Stanley Tucci and what's her name are together. Yeah. And um, in 1600s France, like, I'm pretty sure interracial relationships weren't just treated like, oh, everyday normal, you know, and I know you don't want to address it. F- fine. But why are you changing the race of the characters? Because, it feels pandering. Because Disney. I know, but because Disney, there's no way, there's no way you're going to get something like this, especially a huge project from Disney, and you're not going to. Okay, where are the Asians? Not going to be really progressive. Where are the Indians? Are we going to like? Well, uh, Cogsworth was dressed up as one (laughs) in the BR guest sequence. That's a good. That's a good point. It's not exactly what I was thinking of, but it's just like it feels so disingenuous uh-huh. you know what I mean yeah and it kind of took me out of it it's like, like don't get me wrong I, I'm all for a black uh, 007 or a black Spider-Man or whatever I, but but you're talking about like period you know this yeah this is not something that would have been appropriate in the period that we're we're making that and it's like you guys are making a, uh, a Beauty and the Beast like you, you notice the, the the sad point is which makes it even more racist is they would never do it to the main characters no you know all of them are still milky white but all these little side characters oh it's okay if we turn them black that feels more racist than what they're trying to attempt it does it does right, I'll get off my I, soapbox here no it's cool I love your soapbox mm. it smells really it's nice it's delicious <laughs> try the gray stuff <laughs> it's delicious uh Okay, so I I feel like when you when you I don't know how to say this, but there's there's a weird level of disappointment. Like when I felt when I watched the first, when I watched the animated movie and Beast finally turns into the prince mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Oh. <laughs> I don't, that's what he looks like?" That's what he looks like. I kind of thought the beast was way more attractive and maybe that's the power of the story yeah that i fell in love with the beast too mm-hmm. it was like i don't care what he looks like i think he's great he's handsome mm-hmm. um obviously that didn't happen here like i i when he turns into dan stevens i'm mm. like say like <laughs> s- straight joe is going hmm, <laughs> you're you're a good looking fella yeah, man he's a hunk of all right um but I was a little upset with the side characters when they turned into human. Not so much Stanley Tucci because I thought that was funny, but like there's the weird and I don't know if you're going to get what I'm saying here and I don't I know how to elucidate, but like you've got when when Cogsworth turns into Ian McKellen mm-hmm. and then Lumiere turns into Ewan McGregor mm-hmm. and they're both doing a whole lot of this oh ah uh, yeah oh uh, yeah, like, <laughs> like what is that? Why are you doing all that like weird grunting and sound? Like I remember that there's something very and there was something very narrow about the way that was all filmed and presented because it was all on fucking green screen. Yeah, yeah, and, and on separate days, I believe. I don't think those people were actually in they're the not same even in the same place at the, at same, the same, time. same time. Yeah, there's something there that wasn't that- there before. <laughs> <laughs> and Ian McKellen. I do love that they let Beast bean fucking Bell in the face with Dude, that fucking That snowball. was a nice surprise. Because I was expecting that to play shit. out kind of playfully, and then she just gets fucking pummeled. Because like in the original, he, he builds up this huge snowball, and you're yeah, like, oh shit, is he about to throw that? But then she, she hits him, yeah. and he, it falls on his head. Exactly. In the he fucking beans her in the fucking <laughs> face. But he got a nice reaction with the crowd because Holy it was God. unexpected. Yeah. And we can assume she was okay. Um, I... I don't know. I don't know what else. What else do you have? What other notes? Uh, do you well, have I have one more note, but I'm going to save it for what I think it did wrong. Oh, okay. Mm. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so we we get a little bit of a glimpse into Bell's past. 
with the music box that Maurice is working on. And you find out later in the story that what he has done is recreated where she was, where she was Mm -hmm. and like that, that whole deal. Uh, And I felt like that was enough. That probably would have been enough. And I wanted to touch on this when we were talking about her backstory Mm -hmm. earlier. Uh, I felt like that would have been enough. Uh, It's, it's enough information without us having to really tread that territory. Um, And it trusts the audience to kind of put the pieces together. Right. Um, but I, I liked even that song that that he sings at that at that yeah, point. It's kind of sweet. Uh, it, it's very sweet, and it doesn't take too long. It's just a quick little a quick little verse, and it's back into the story. Did you ever find yourself watching the original, wondering, "Oh, I wonder where her mother is"? No. Yeah, it I was didn't. just kind of given. It happened a long time ago. It doesn't have to do with this story, so they didn't address it. Mm-hmm. And they should have le- left it. Let dogs lie, or however that saying let, goes. Let sleeping beasts. That's lie. right. Uh, so the very the very end after the battle. Um, and all of the objects are turning into permanent. Yes, permanent objects. Oh God! What, what was? What did that do to you? For me, it was reminiscent of uh, the end of Toy Story Three. Yeah, where they're all uh, well, a couple of segments from Toy Story Three, but uh, man, that was that was very impactful. Yeah, and, it, it really and was sad. And and when Chip, oh dude, God, when Chip comes in and the and the coat rack catches him. Yes, I was like. <gasps> Like oh, and the fact geez. that the coat rack isn't even a big character in this movie, uh, but he has that moment where he catches Chip and put. He's got a bigger oh. part in this than the original. Yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, there, but yeah, it was, I thought that was well done. It, it was it was well done. I like the 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 production design on this. Remember when I first watched the trailer, we talked about it, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm not sure about the fucking production design, man. I'm not I'm totally. I totally bought in. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. That's, that's actually um, not to jump the gun, but kind of what I thought it did wrong. The yeah. char- the character design. Of the main characters. You were defending it when we saw the trailers. I was defending the concept. I was was leaving uh, room for interpretation when I saw it. But like, we were talking about Mrs. Potts. And it's like, you can't have a big hole in the side, a big (laughs) mouth in the side of a pot. Which is fucking (laughs) hot coffee constantly (laughs) spilling out every time she talks. Um, So I'm not complaining with with their interpretation of it. Uh But the problem is... You don't. You're not able to see the eyes. You're not able to see the expressions very well, especially in Lumiere. I am not a fan of. Why is he all of a sudden a person with legs and a coat? Yeah. And 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 like, like he, he's basically like a little golden human. I, do, I just he did not look like a congalabra. He's an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just don't think that it would have translated the same kind of Lumiere that was in the cartoon. I don't think would have translated. No, and I know, and I you, I know you have to make it realistic, but uh, he. I would have liked for them to do something a little more stylistic where his mouth, you know, because in the cartoon, like was the top of his head where is the a candle, candle meets the brass. And the, exactly. Um, do something like that. This one, it's just like, he's a, it's a little face. It's a little face and it's talking, except it's all golden. You can't see his eyes yeah. and you can't see his expressions half the time. The uh, Ironically, the one that, I don't have a problem with this Cogsworth. Cogsworth. I think they did a great job. It's fantastic. But it's a clock with a face. Yeah. So, yeah. and Plumette. I can never even tell what part of her, like, what part is is she talking from? Yeah. Like, that, is that her was, head the bird? Yeah, her head is the bird. But it, the mouth never moves, right? Oh, it, it moves. Does it? Yeah. Okay. She's always just kind of fluttering around. I never yeah. really got a good look at her. And what was wrong with the original? Does, I mean, I understand you have to update it, but now she's a bird and it's confusing. See... We talk about all this in like the character design, but it's interesting that Chip was basically the same as he was in the animated film. Yeah, that's true. Some weird things that we didn't see carry over, like we didn't see Chip go to town. 
oh, and end up being Bell. the one that saves Bell and Maurice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they got rid of that whole invention thing. I'm an inventor. I'm going to win first. I mean, place he still kind of had it with his with his music boxes, which I liked. Yeah, but instead of him going off to the inventors' convention, yeah, the invention no, the that in- doesn't work. In- invention, <laughs> invention convention. convention. What's, What's your, your function? function? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, he's just going off to the market. I'll bring you back a rose. What was all that bullshit? Too? That's like, from the original, though. That's from the original story. Not only the original story, but if you were to watch on the Beauty and the Beast Blu-ray, they have like the uncut like storyboards <laughs> for the original version of the movie. Yeah, and it was supposed to be like it opened up and like you know Belle's father had a music box and he ended up having to sell. It, it was the last thing he had from their mother, mm. and so he had to sell it. And they lived with like his evil sister. It was weird, but some of those things they carried over into this live action movie. Mm. Okay. Um, okay, I want to talk about one last thing before we start to kind of wrap things up. Sure. Uh, in the animated film, when they have their dance, the Beauty and the Beast song, yeah. their dance, is it looks great even today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was groundbreaking. Of like, course. That was, they were using like CG and, and marrying CG with 2D animation. That's right. And moving around in, it made it, it well, it gave the illusion yeah. that you were moving around in the 2D space. One guy animated that entire sequence. That's insanity. Yeah. Um, so that was obviously, just like kind of Be Our Guest was, that was a crown jewel in the in this movie. Mm-hmm. That was a, a masterful and groundbreaking moment in animation. But it was like, it was a show-stopping piece. Agreed. How did you feel about the dance in this live-action one? I don't, I didn't understand the little flakes of gold that were magically marketing coming onto her dress coming on. uh, oh come on <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh god <laughs> it was lumiere sacre <laughs> bleu <laughs> that was marketing you know they're totally going to like market these fucking dresses to little girls but, so they couldn't just do a regular yellow dress they got to put a little design on it okay fine but why does it have to be magically adorned with gold flakes that because, peel off from the ceiling because hello disney I don't. Go, I don't understand. That is fucking. Have you ever seen Sleeping Beauty, where fucking animals make clothes for Sleeping Beauty? <laughs> yes, but I'm saying in the, in this world, like I know that the whole castle is in, enchanted, but I I wasn't sure what was happening there. And I'm I, like, oh, okay, I guess. And, and you know, and for uh, what purpose? Honestly speaking, Joel, I can't tell you fucking why. I also didn't like the setup for that. Like, you, if you remember, in um, that he was like, I. I told her as a joke we should have a dance. And yeah, it's like, oh, that would have been nice to see on screen. Yeah. Like, don't just fucking refer to it so that you can set up the scene that we're all accustomed to. And that actually to. probably would have been a cute moment where he's like, yes. well, maybe we should have a dance. Okay. Okay. Yeah, like, what? Oh, shit. Yeah, let's yeah. see that moment where they get into it. And and we miss the whole... Uh, this is another and complaint that I and have. And that's film. Show instead of tell. Exactly. Uh, and it's another it's another critique that I have where I didn't really feel the connection between <laughs> I was going to call them the utensils again, but his servants <laughs> and the beast in this film like they have dialogue together, but I didn't get that sense of family that uh-huh. is in the in the animated version. There's several okay. scenes because they're kind of his his um his his mentors they're throughout his this right yeah. But he has like you said he has he yells at them and he treats them like shit whatever. But he still kind of has a certain level of respect and they're able to kind of dress him down. In the animated film, in certain yeah. ways, where he's like, "You have to be more respectful. Show me the smile." You know what I'm saying? And yeah. he's like playing into it. Um, and yes. then later on, yeah. you know, um, when he's like breaking down the door, and they're telling him, "You have to be. You cannot yell. Be gentle." Yeah, exactly. I do wish they so, had done the bit in the live right? action one. Where he's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. "Yeah, that's exactly. oh my god, I can't believe we're yeah." That's, of course, that's one of my favorite beast moments. This is what I'm talking about. There are five or six of those moments that all you had to do were make those work. You know, even yeah. do it one for one from the cartoon. I don't care. And they just missed it enough, and it, yeah. it took it out of me. And that was the same one. 
Um, and then, yeah, when they're <laughs> getting them ready in the cartoon where they're like giving them the uh, uh, haircut and everything, uh-huh. and it's 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 played for humor. But you you kind of feel like they're a bit of a family, and I I never got that feeling in this one. Oh wow, no. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay. that's, that's me. Maybe uh, I, I had higher expectations for this film, and maybe that's on me because you. it's beloved. It is. It's on you. It's totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's all over your face. Ew. It's your chicken. Um, all right. So, do you have anything else? That's it. All right. Cool. Uh, what did Beauty and the Beast 2017 do right? You know, I've been talking shit about this film the entire time. You have. You've been kind of been surprisingly uh, overall negative about this yeah, movie. Yeah, and I, and I kind of am, I think. Uh, wow. I mean, I, I guess I recommend it. Well, well, this is supposed to be what it did right. Okay. Yeah, um, what did it do right? F- for being a live-action ad- adaptation of a animated musical, I, th- they hit a lot of the right beats. Yeah. I, I think there were so many pieces of this that are right. Uh, I should really focus in on one. Um I hate to say the production value because it's kind of all encompassing. Production but, design's fantastic. But it I is. think that's, I do. Aside from the character legit. design, which I'm going to differentiate, the mm-hmm. production design I thought was well executed. Okay, um, looks great. If it doesn't win for best special effects or best uh, uh, best set, makeup, set design, best set design, best costumes, mm-hmm. it, 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 I, I don't know what would. Maybe uh, Star maybe, Wars. Maybe Moonlight Two. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Uh, all right. What, so production design. It's production design. What I thought Beauty and the Beast 2017 did correct. Uh, I, uh, you know, I liked. I liked the. Uh, I know we made a joke about it, but I liked the writing. I liked the hmm. attention that went into some of the things that like were concerns with the original with the animated movie. I think that they came up with some really creative solutions, mm-hmm. uh, explaining why the townspeople because people are like, man, there's a fucking castle. Yeah, how do they why not the fuck, know? How do they not know it's there? They fucking explain it, and they didn't go too far. They didn't over-explain it. All you got to do is say just, that one line. Yeah, Their memories were erased. A little bit of explanation. And that's it. Uh, I like that they uh, they explained why like. The weather was always so fucked up near the Beast's castle, yeah. but not in the town. Kevin Klein even has that little moment. He's like, oh, snow. Snow in June. <laughs> hmm. um, there, were, there were just little little bits like that that kind of explain a little bit. You know, instead of in the song, instead of 10 years we've been rusting, it's been for, for too long we've been rusting. Like, you didn't get too specific with it, so that way you could have an adult Beast, and it wasn't so, like, Wow, so she cursed a fucking ten year old? What the hell? <laughs> uh so I thought that that was creative. That's that's a tough task. You know, you get put in the middle of it and you know, sure, a writer can say, like, oh, I could just come up with real quick ideas here, but this is fucking Disney. That means you have to sit in a room with fucking twenty other people who are like right. no 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 no. All right, no. But you know what would be better is this. Everyone's gonna think they're a writer, and they might not be. They're just investors and producers. You've got to answer to every fucking one of them yep. and then give them those ideas. And you've got to make it work. And for the most part, they took those things and they made them work and it worked cohesively for the film. Uh, what did, and just touch on it again, what did Beauty and the Beast do wrong? Sure. Um, I think it was uh, unneeded additions. Yeah. And that can go, that can speak to a couple of the songs that uh, I don't feel like added enough. Um, you've kind of won me over on the one that the Beast sings at the end. I like that I mean, one that's a, a lot. That's a bad time to put a new song into a it, film. It's a, yeah, it is, because you're, you're winding it down. Yeah, but the fact that it didn't completely kill the momentum, I guess it was successful. Yeah. Uh, but not a big fan of especially the opening. We didn't need that dance number in the middle of it. Really broke up the flow of that whole prologue that I like. Um, and then also uh, that whole thing about the mother and the magic, you know, like you said, the Marauder's Map that can transport. That, that introduced so many more questions and plot 
um, holes. Yeah. I mean, not a hole, but like, why wouldn't she just use that map earlier if she had this power? Exactly. Um, then, then it does uh, close up holes. Okay. Um, what I thought Beauty and the Beast did wrong is, uh, along those same lines, is adding some of those moments that, that ultimately didn't pay off. Um, you know, it's especially the the mother deal. I I didn't quite feel that. I don't think I... Well, I mean, I felt it. I (laughs) just didn't think it was as necessary as maybe some would think. Um, So, yeah, I've got... got I'm with you on that one. I I thought that layering this movie with some unnecessary bits, uh, it just prolonged it. Now, that said, it didn't feel like two hours and nine minutes to me. This movie flew by for me. Um, But... But yeah, if I have to pick something, that's it. All right. Uh, all right. So I didn't recast because I figured like this movie is just, it just came out. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to do this whole like, if we were making it today, but I, I see that you did and I don't I want did. your, I don't want your work to be wasted. Oh, thank so you. <laughs> if, it's so, not a waste. It's very so important work that Joel I do here. if Joel Burnson mm. were to make Beauty and the Beast, how would it play out? Well, I recast eight members here. Um, I wanted to do some of the voices of the, the animated characters, but then also, of course, the mains. Uh, so let me get some of the, the voice acting out of the way first. So uh, for Mrs. Potts, we had, um, what is her name in this one? Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson was in this one. Um, how about Dame Judy, Judy Dench? Dame Judy Dench as uh, Mrs. Potts. She already kind of sounds motherly anyway. Is she still alive? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Just in the James Bond movie, she's dead. I, I always get that confused. Uh-huh. Spoiler alert. Uh, Lumiere. Uh-huh. Instead of uh, whiny Ewan McGregor, Scotsman Ewan McGregor. Whiny. Why don't we get an f- actual Frenchman? Why don't we get Jean Reno, the professional? <laughs> To be the voice of Lumiere. So you do know, like, he's going to have to sing, too. Ten years right? we've been rusting, needing so much more than dusting. This is for Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, yeah, he can... Or do the thing that the old Disney cartoons did, where get somebody else get to somebody sing else his to sing. parts. Yeah. Not everybody has to do their own fucking singing. Yeah. Not everybody can sing. Surprise. Uh, but uh, Jean Reno can act. There we go. Uh, Cogsworth. I'm kind of proud of this one. Cogsworth. How about uh, Stuffy Tim Curry? Oh. From uh, reprising kind of his Clue Butler. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. Tim Did Curry. you ever see The mm. Page Master? Uh, oh, that's an old animated one with the, Christopher Lloyd doing a voice. Christopher Lloyd and Macaulay Culkin. Was Tim Curry a voice in that as no, well? No, 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 no. Okay. I don't think he was. Uh, but Patrick Stewart was. He does. That's right. And throughout this entire movie, Cogsworth... Kind of reminded me of one of those animated books from the Page Master, specifically <laughs> oh, yeah. the Patrick Stewart one. Oh yeah! Oh, that would have been great. Yeah. I like that Patrick Stewart. Uh, oh. I like I like that Patrick Stewart. Too. <laughs> we all he's do. so good. And then finally, my last animated character. Logan. Um, oh no, just those three. That's oh, right. I just did oh, wow. those three. Now on to the humans. How about Maurice? Crazy old Crazy Maurice. Crazy old Maurice. Crazy eh? old Bill Murray. Crazy. Oh. <laughs> That's Maurice. That's a Jenna pick. I got to give Holy credit where credit shit. is due. But I was like, who can, who can, and at first we started with Steve Martin. Steve Martin would be nice. Steve Martin would be good. Kindly, caring, but um, I like uh, lovable buffoon uh, Bill Murray in that role. I'm thinking about it now. Yeah? I feel like. I feel like Kevin Klein wasn't at his best in this movie. I agree. I think the, the, he had a few moments. We talked about the one earlier. Um, there's the moment where um, near the climax when they've been captured, but yeah. they've picked the lock. Uh-huh. And as the uh, the guard <laughs> comes like, back, do you have children? Up, <laughs> exactly. That was a good moment. Just having a nice little. When he comes back to the bar for the first time, mm-hmm. and he's telling them like, "He took the beast. The beast. Listen to me." Yeah, I felt like that was kind of like, "Wow, Kevin Klein, you're." 
capable of much better yeah. than this. Yeah. Like, he was doing some weird, like, crutchy, actory things oh. where he was, like, you know, like, he kept mo- doing the same physicality Interesting. on some of his deliveries. I have to pay attention the next time I see this. Yeah. If I see this a second time. See it again. I mean, Jesus, it sounds like you hate it. Go ahead. I'm sorry, but I, <laughs> no, I didn't mean okay. to de- derail you. No, Go no, ahead. no, no, no. That's great. And please, if you have any other ideas for recast, uh, pipe in. If you have one for LeFou. I have three for LeFou. Oh, my God. Go for well, it. Uh, Kevin Hart. I started off with, like, Jack Black. Jack Black could do it, right? Yeah, he, he could. He around. Yeah. He's, he can already sing. Yeah. He'd add his own energy to it. But then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then Jenna had the idea of uh, Danny McBride as LeFou. I think that would be fun. Uh, <laughs> hell, even keep him a gay character if you want. Add that little wrinkle at the end. I think he could do it. Fucking Gaston. <laughs> Nobody fucks like Gaston. <laughs> Uh, but finally, I think my favorite is um, is uh, Adam Devine uh, from Mike and Dave. There we go. About- Who I feel like is Jack Black Jr. He absolutely is. Yeah. yeah, you want the young Jack Black, you get yourself some Adam Devine. All right, here we go. The last three. Gaston. How okay. about uh, how about Liam Hemsworth? Oh, that's in good. That role. That's good. Any Thor. any Hemsworth. Because while I liked this Gaston, well, it's actually Chris Hemsworth is Thor. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I wrote Liam. I meant to say Chris. Yeah, Liam is the one from Hunger Games, right? Yes. Yeah. The only complaint I have about that casting is um, he's not he's not physically as imposing as I thought Gaston should be. First of all, he's wearing like the big puffy sweater from Seinfeld with the big puffy shirt with the <laughs> arms. Like you can't see his guns. I wanted to see like Who, Luke Evans the sleeves. You talking yeah. about Luke Evans? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about Chris Hemsworth. I'm like that motherfucker's no. <laughs> jacked. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he would look great in the in the sleeveless uh, costume yeah. that Gaston wears in the. In the cartoon, I know you have sure. to update it, but still, sure. uh, he felt a little scrawny. And then when they sing that uh, line about... Not a bit of him, scraggly or scrawny. Yeah, and it's like, I'm roughly the size of a barge. I'm like, not really, dude. Like, fucking Kevin Klein is towering I'm over really, you. I'm really upset they didn't do the whole, and every last bit of me's covered with hair. Yeah, what did they replace that with? They had I, something. I don't know. They, they changed some things. They also changed up how many eggs he ate. Like, I don't know if you noticed oh, that. Yeah, they, he didn't do the five dozen eggs. I think I think they changed it so kids wouldn't try to eat all that eggs. See, again. Yeah. All right, whatever, everybody. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and then uh, finally, my Beauty and the Beast. Um, so part of me kind of wants to make a little a bit of an emo Beauty and the Beast. Oh, God, Johnny Depp. And if I went that route, <laughs> I would have Johnny Depp as the Beast. Oh, my God. And Kristen Stewart as the Belle. Oh, my God. Well, wasn't this movie filmed by like, the director of Twilight? Wasn't this twi- the, one Bill of the Conway? Twilight? Yeah, wasn't he one of the Twilight directors? Too dressed. You're saying that like I follow the Twilight I mean, saga. I will find you've out. Got, yes, you've I, got your stuff here. Let's... I will find out. But before I look that up, um, I'll let you know my actual uh, recast. I don't want to go emo. Oh, that wasn't for real. Oh, okay. Uh, I if, like... if I went my emo route, I did. But uh, if we're going straight traditional with everyone else, how about Chris Pine as the Beast? Okay, he's got those blue eyes. Love it, piercing blue eyes. Um, and as long as we're going uh, sci-fi, how about Wonder Woman? How about Gal Gadot? As uh, Belle. Hey. And she's maybe she a little too old. An appropriate accent. <laughs> she does have the nice accent. She's got that look. Uh, but she's, she's too old. She's also a powerful... I don't know how old she is. She I seems she's like she's probably in her, the same age as Emma Watson. She seems like she's in her 30s. No. Really? Maybe like, like late 20s, early 30s. Maybe I'm wrong. Isn't that how old Emma Watson is? Uh, yeah, but she's supposed to be like this little ingenue, right? It's supposed to be like a 18-year-old, 16-year-old or whatever. I want much more than this provincial life. Yeah. So there you go. So there's my recasts. That's very good, man. Thank you. Uh, so what you, was I looking up, by the you way? You were looking up uh, <laughs> before you could, uh, uh, what, what the director of Beauty and the Beast has also directed, uh, yes. if he did Bill Twilight. Bill Condon. Bill Condon. Not to be... Is that right there on top? Director, Dreamgirls. Oh, he directed Kinsey. Dreamgirls. Kinsey. Interesting. 
Gods and Monsters, Chicago. Oh, he's a writer on oh. Chicago. Oh, these are things that he was... Uh, well, he wrote Chicago, but director of all the other ones. Okay. And then, of course, director of Beauty and the Beast. Mr. Holmes? All right. The fifth... Yeah, one of the Twilight Sagas. Breaking Wasn't Mr. Holmes and Ian Twi- McKellen Twilight movie? Saga, Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, yes, he was. There, there you go. go. There's the connection. The, the Holmes connection. Guys, if you have any thoughts about the new Beauty and the Beast, if you have any thoughts about Joel's recast or our criticism, <laughs> all of Joel's criticisms of this movie, uh, let us know. Go to Facebook. Uh, put Be- Beauty and the Beast in That's the right. search. Put it in the search bar. I'm sure <laughs> ours will be the top hit. The editing up. bay in the search bar. It's going to bring up that woman with the bleeding eyes. That's us. That's where you could talk back to us. Let us know what you thought about the movie, what you thought about what you had to say about it. If there's anything that we missed, if you're like, motherfuckers, you didn't talk about fucking human again, because that's a fucking great song from the <laughs> that the cut song from the like animated film. we touched film. on it. Yeah. yeah, we did. It's fine. Mm, you touched on it. L- uh, on the cutting room floor. If you've got any thoughts about this movie, uh, yeah, let us know about it. If you've got any thoughts about movies that you'd like us to talk about in the future, uh, the future, uh, we'd love to hear from you, too. Um, we've also got a website, Rachel. We sure do. It is called EditingBay.com. It's not called EditingBay.com. It is EditingBay.com. We have uh, links there for all of our past episodes. If uh, you're you reached your your hundred uh, episode limit, on yeah, iTunes. that's right. iTunes they only have the last hundred episodes. Go all the way back and listen to some of our. Uh, have we done anything Beauty and the Beast related before? Any Disney films? I don't think we have. No, we should. No, we right. haven't. Someday, we we Osmosis Jones is about yeah, the closest we we've come to it. Monkey Bone. We, in, in in Star Wars, and, uh, <laughs> we've talked yeah, about Star right. Wars. That's it's, an animated, it's pretty film. Disney. But also, there we have links to our social medias. Uh, oh, social medias! Yes. All the social media. Well, dude, it's late. It's almost midnight. It is, isn't it? Man, uh, we have a link to our Facebook. But we also have a link to our Twitter handle, which is at the Editing Bay. If you follow us there, please follow us. You'll find uh, you'll you'll get all the latest info. You'll find out what movies will we're doing before we announce them even on this podcast that's right and so if you've uh, been following you already know what we're doing next week well what are we doing next even week? even though i have no idea what we're doing next week <laughs> well it's time to conjure the list well, well this uh, is your call man let's, this let's, one's your pick let's go to the list well um this yeah it's my pick it's your pick man well i think i'm gonna go with um i'm gonna go with a film that i have not seen oh good and, and maybe you have seen star wars it's an older film <laughs> it's from the 80s i believe uh, and it's starring um, Tom Hanks in one of his earlier roles before he was Forrest Gump, before he was in Castaway. He was the man with one red shoe. Holy shit. And this is Isn't a that film, Carrie Fisher? I believe Isn't Carrie Fisher is also wow. in this, so I figured this would be a nice opportunity for oh. us to uh, to talk to her. Or talk. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to get our Ouija, <laughs> get boards Ouija board out. out. And talk to Carrie. So next week Carrie on the episode, <laughs> guest hosting. Sorry to speak ill of God. Rest in peace. Man, I miss her. Mm-hmm. I do. Like, it's so, it's so stupid. It sounds so dumb. Dude. And it's not like she did anything, like, relevant movie-wise. Like, mm-hmm. But, like, she was always kind of a presence. She did cons and stuff. And, like, man, she's Princess Leia. Dude, she's... Oh, when they did that in the Oscars, and they ended it with, like, May the Force be with you. Uh, That's a fucking mess, man. Uh, I'm getting, like, weird chills now. Well, save it for next week when we talk about her in at length. The man with one red shoe. That's right. All right, guys. It's um, on Netflix, by the way, I should mention. So, uh, Oh, excellent. Timely. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, check us out next week. Uh, in fact, go to Netflix. If you don't have a Netflix account, steal something <laughs> no, from somebody. No, steal, steal a login from someone. The opinions of Joe Cucinati do not joke, reflect those. Um, yeah. So, uh, thank you so much, Jeff. Appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, I want to remind you that if you uh, if you get us on your your Apple device, there's a way that you could leave us a rating and a review. Uh, just go to your podcasting app and then put the editing bay in the search bar there. That's how you can leave us a rating and review. We would really appreciate that. Always trying to grow the show. Also, hey, look, there she is right there. Yeah. Man, look at her. 
looking amazing. Wow, in that looking leopard amazing. bra? Yes. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks in that leopard bra. Um, yeah, and if you don't have an Apple device, uh, if you have an Android, you could download a couple of apps. One's called Podcast Republic, the other one called Podcast Addict, uh, and you could search the iTunes library uh, through those and also subscribe and uh, and review our show. Uh, and yeah, okay, so that I, I totally forgot to do that last time. <laughs> it's okay. um, if you're in Dallas, we've got my uh, my little Lone Ranger scene. That's going to be coming up, I believe, that would be this week that you're hearing this podcast. Mm-hmm. We have the on the 31st and the 1st at the uh, Pocket Sandwich Theater. They're doing Kidney Night Live, a little benefit for Bill Ottstadt, a local actor uh, who's uh, needing a little bit of help when it comes to finances for his his uh, his hospital bills and stuff. And so we've all come together doing some improv scenes. We got some sketches. And uh, and my scene is an excerpt from my, uh, my Lone Ranger show that I've been working on for the past couple of years. So you can look up Kidney Night Live on Facebook and find the event page. Uh, and it has all the information on how you can buy tickets. So next week, Man with One Red Shoe. Again, Jeffrey, thank you so much. Joel, always a pleasure. Uh, pleasure's all mine. Guys, we'll catch you next week. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.